On this episode of the Faded Golf Podcast, John and I are going to talk about the match for a little bit, and then we're going to get into uh, our first impressions, or I guess our impressions of the Wilson Cortex driver that we saw at Golf Galaxy, uh, and then we're going to move into what we think is the number one thing you can work on in the offseason, which is putting, so that will be the topic of the week, and lastly, we've got this cool-ass, peaty, smoky, freaking scotch from... Uh, it's, the, it's from the Islay, uh, Isla, island of Islay, single malt scotch whiskey, 16-year aged. So as you can tell, John acquired this. He knows what the hell's going on. I've got this one about two balls out to the right. I'm telling you, man, it's a speed putt. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 10 of the Faded Golf Podcast. I'm Mark Julien with my man, Mr. Falkenberg. John, how are you today? I'm great. Very good. Um, we have a little bit, I guess we're midweek at this point, kind of a Wednesday, and there was a lot of drama that happened last weekend. Of course, did you have a good Thanksgiving, John? Uh, absolutely. You? Um Smoked a turkey on the green egg. Did you do that breast. yourself? Yeah, so smoked a turkey. Well, uh, Michael came over. We smoked this. Uh, it was the night before because I wasn't really sure how long it was going to take, and then we kind of reheated it morning of. But so we uh, a breast or a whole turkey? Breast. So how like big was boneless, the breast? Boneless breast is about six and a half pounds. Thing was mammoth, and um, got the egg to about two fifty. Uh, threw in some. I think we yeah we did applewood chips to smoke it and the thing was money how long did you smoke it for it took probably about two and a half hours to three hours to get the temperature so we had like the digital thermometer you know kind of was the turkey already cooked no it only took two and a half hours to smoke it yeah wow so i talked to our pro kyle i was talking to kyle so i was in on the weekend we played god it was like the last weekend of golf which sucked but uh, so I'm talking to Kyle. I asked him, and he's got a green. He's like a green egg, like aficionado. He loves it. He's like obsessed with it. So he did a whole turkey. He said it took him five hours to do the whole turkey. That is though. super short, though. Like yeah. I, I smoke a ten to twelve pound brisket. Yeah. And it takes fourteen hours. I wonder if it's because that's so like solid you know what i mean whereas like a turkey it's kind of hollowed out in the middle chicken doesn't you're right chicken doesn't take that long to smoke i don't know maybe it could be it's a type of meat i think chicken this is the stuff that we are still we're very amateur meat smoking guys no i'm actually a a very good meat smoker well you got your traeger i got my green egg we've got like a it's a we are better meat smokers than we are golfers that's a (laughs) hundred percent i doubt that i can barely get the damn charcoal lit but um no or, uh, so the yeah, green eggs are great. So Michael came over. He, I, I was all out of charcoal, so that's why Michael kind of helped out. It well it was his idea too. So he brought the charcoal over the wood chips because I was kind of out of that stuff. We smoked it up and then we warmed it up the next day. Everybody loved it, and uh, and then everybody kind of chipped in, pitched side dishes, stuff like that. So it was good. I did recommend. That feed? How many did that feed? Oh my! Let's see. What did we have? Twenty people there. Um, my father-in-law brought, he had done a small kind of turkey, like whole turkey, and he had brought that too, that he had just done like oven-baked kind of thing. So I had done like a dry brine to it, kind of like, you know, Ooh. rubbed it too, as well as freaking like rosemary and kind of rub and all this kind of oh, shit. Oh, so like, I did like a combo. I like looked up a thing and was like... Made your own rub. Yeah. It was like, well, it, was, it wasn't that hard. It was like salt and rosemary and thyme and 
Um, I'm trying to think of what else there was. There was might be one or two other rubs that I put in there. Good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. But Thanksgiving is beyond us. Last, I think last round of golf. I mean, it was freaking like 20 degrees today here in Indiana. So played on Friday after. It's going to be 60 degrees this weekend. Is it really? Rainy, though. Oh, shit. Um, we're played, done. We're done till we're done till what? April? Yeah. Maybe Here. We'll, we might get lucky if we get like a January, February weird day, but I'll um, be, uh, I'll report on my Florida golf. That's good. I like that. I want to hear your reports and hopefully I can join you for one of those. You can. Um, so anyway, um, uh, yeah, I think John and I played probably two of our best rounds of the year <laughs> this past weekend too, <laughs> which is kind of sad. When you're playing in like 40, 50 degree weather with like 50 layers on. I really did play pretty well. How was your putting? I didn't three putt. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had one birdie. Greens one birdie, kinda, one birdie, three bogeys. Rest Greens parts. were playing a little bit slower. They were probably like a, what, like a 10-ish? No. Maybe a little slower than maybe that. Maybe slower than that. More nine. like, I think like an eight. Oh, okay. Eight or nine, eight and a half, nine, maybe. You're, I don't think 10's that fast. That's why I'm, I don't know. I don't... I got a ten. Maybe it's pretty quick. We're, we're gonna invest in a stint meter. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I, agree. I think I actually want to under, I want to understand how that works because everybody says the number they don't know what they're well, talking about. Well, we're gonna about. we're gonna get into that in a little bit. Um, so anyway, let's uh, the the big news was so I played golf on Friday and then we came in and the club had the match on. So I watched basically the back nine of the match. Um, you got a chance to watch what probably about the back nine as well because you got home. From Thanksgiving as well. I watched most of it. You watched most of it, yeah. okay? So, I I don't want to go into a ton of detail. I mean, if you want to listen to the no laying up guys or the you know four play guys or bar whatever, stool. the yeah the bar stool guys or whatever, they've got they did great good, commentary on it. I think they have good like amateur viewer kind of opinions about what they their perspective on it. Like besides the golf channel. I think they got a great analysis of like what they liked, didn't like. I don't want to get into that. Um, more so, you know, kind of want to like be like future cast, John. Like, what do you think that can help as far as like the future of? How do you think that event could help for future? I think I have to back up just to my reaction okay. to it. I actually, I, I thought it was entertaining. Yeah, I really did. It was garbage golf for those guys. It really wasn't that good of yeah. golf. And then the banter value wasn't like the back and forth between the two tiger's just not that guy you know i mean he's just not that guy and and phil is but what i now to lead into your question i think it's great i mean i think there's a lot of like if you could do pay-per-view and you can actually bring the viewer into like really up close like really make it pay-per-view i mean i heard uh phil's caddies like his brother go it's pay-per-view, right? I can cuss, right? I can drop my F-bomb. I'm like, yeah, do it. Yeah. That's what it is. It's what it's about. I mean, just like whatever goes. It's not like some straight-laced NBC afternoon, 2 o'clock. You know, it's it's like, hey, you know, it's raw. Let's, let's see whatever happens. We'll go back and forth. And what you guys would really do if you were on the golf course, like in a practice round or an off week, and you're just going back and forth. Because you know Phil Betts. That guy... Oh. He he talked, and you know he talks so much shit. If it was him and Kevin Kissner, even though nobody look, I, me and you would we would pay to see Kevin Kissner do that. Nobody else probably would, just because they don't know his name. Yeah. 
but he would talk so much shit with Phil. It would be awesome. Yeah. That's what we want to see. And I think people would get entertained, be like, I like this dude. Yeah. I, and I think that's where, um, as they kind of move forward, they recognize, I think they're going to quickly recognize, which, I mean, I, I almost kind of went back to, and I was giving this uh, analogy to somebody else. And, oh, it was last night. I was, I was out at dinner, and I was giving this analogy on why I thought it sucked. And I said, I could give you my own experience on why it sucked. I can tell you that playing in the uh, old buddy match play events where I had a partner, we were playing against two other people. It was a more enjoyable round. There was more side talk with me and my partner, with Michael, you know. And then the other group, I'm sure there was side talk going on because they're talking about strategy for what they're going to do in a particular situation and whether or not, hey, should I hit driver here? Maybe you should lay up, whatever it is. There's a lot more like talk and banter going on. And because you've got like your buddy next to you, maybe you like throw out like a, you know, a little razz because you know your buddy's going to laugh or whatever it is. Versus when I would play in the singles match play stuff this year. And for the first nine holes, you'd have a little like, get to know the guy, you know, oh, what do you do? Oh, do you have kids? You know, where do you live? Because it might be not somebody you really like know that well. And oh, you kind of have like a little casual like golf conversation along the way. But by the time you got to the back nine, no different than the way this match worked out. By the time you got to the back nine, it was like, Laser, everybody started getting laser focused. Like, all right, it's time to actually win this thing or compete in this thing. Like, I hung around. I'm one up or I'm. But that's one what down. those guys did. It's exactly the way that's it happened. What they My did. point is, is that golf has shown that that's what's going to happen in a one-on-one match. It happens in one-on-one so matches. So you think it should be world. a doubles? Like, it if has you to be. They should never. If they learn anything, I believe they should never, ever, ever. Do another one-on-one match again. It's a good introspection there, for, and then looking at it from that. That's actually that's really good. So that way you could get, and I mean, there was jokes about having like a a, a lead match, you know, or like a you know the what are they, uh, what's I'm trying to think of the term that they were using, but you know, kind of like the the pre-fight match. Send Charles and Samuel L. Jackson out there to play one-on-one. Fine. Couple hack damage. Set take Seth our, Curry and Tony Romo and put them out there to go play. Our good buddy Matt Pate here mm-hmm. at the club had a he had a great idea. He said you should have you know those two and you should have two like amateurs that are you know three to five handicaps that are playing for a million dollars. Right with them, sure with them. Or you could partner that amateur handy with with Phil or Tiger. He didn't say that, but he was like, okay, you have the two one-on-one matches, but now that I'm thinking about it, what you said, have, have an amateur golfer that's playing for like a crazy amount of money with a professional golfer, yeah, and they're versus the other professional golfer and amateur, oh my God, that makes it so much... I think you'd be rooting for people then, you know? You'd be like, shit, man, I want that guy to win a million bucks, whatever. Yeah, well, like you're rooting for Phil or Tiger to win another $9 million. Like I could care less. Joke. Well, yeah, and so I know there was a lot of back and forth on like the prize winnings and, you know, obviously the stupid pictures of them, like over the top of money and stuff like that. Whatever, these guys were going to make money anyway. I think they could have just marketed it and presented it differently. I think give them each $3 million under the table and have them play for $3 million. That, you know, a typical purse, if you're playing against 70 other guys in a given week, if you win the whole thing, you're going to win a million and a half. These guys are so badass. Double that what that purse would be if they were to win an actual tournament. Three million. 
pay them each $3 million to show up that we don't know if, no, I know they got paid just to show up anyway. But my point is, is like, like they wager their own money. Whatever. And because then, you could be, look, people, only people relate, only people relate to that is like, okay, me and you go out and gamble for, you know, 100 bucks, 50 bucks. We're gambling our own money. Yeah. Those guys went out there. It's just, that's it why was, I'm like, give them the three each and be like, okay, gamble with it. And, and then the winner gets another three. And get like Joe Rogan and Charles Barkley and then, out there. The get rid of Peter Jacobson. It didn't, it didn't take three million. Point is, it didn't take nine million dollars for them to play for somebody else's nine million dollars to get me to watch. I think it took nine million dollars to get Tiger. There. It got fine, but still, it. I think it only. T- it could only take him three guaranteed potential for three, and you got to. But I know that didn't happen. Hmm? That may happen. I know it may have happened too. Anyway. That probably happened. And then they got the nine on top of it. Who knows? But point is, is make it more interesting to the viewer on how that money works a little bit and like how it's going to be gambled and let people know. I think there can be an interesting, more interesting yeah, angle. There's there. a lot of things. I mean, like like Peter Jacobson, seriously. Come on. So this is the downside of watching it at the club is that you basically didn't hear any of the audience. Oh, so we just kind of like watched terrible. the golf. And by just watching the golf, I will agree with you that the golf was mediocre. I like, I mean, like Peter Jacobson, I like, like if I want to, He's you know, watch a major, general. and I want to be like super, sure. just you know, Mister Golf. That's he's, him. He's fine in general. But Charles Barkley and Pat Perez, they were good, but they needed to be more in the action. Yeah, and they get like a just get a total, you know, like a like seriously, like Joe Rogan, like just to mix the personalities up. Yeah. Well, and even I mean, shit. Even the like they took Shane Bacon, who does a podcast, interviews these guys, and he was on course following them around. He was more interesting because he was kind of like in the mix, and I think he had good questions and stuff like that and wasn't necessarily your typical golf personality. So I think, yes, go against the typical golf personality, lean against it a little bit. I think they learned a lot from it, and I hope there are more events, and I just hope. The one thing I hope is they're not one-on-one again. So They won't, they won't do it. They'll improve. All right, man, let's move on um, to our, our next topic here, which um, I think is – um, something that's interesting, if, if you watch the Golf Channel, if, um, like, religiously, you probably caught on that there was this drivers versus driver. I believe this is the second iteration of driver versus driver where they get these, essentially, um, you know, wannabe golf club designers to throw ideas at them to design a, a golf club, and then Wilson puts them together, and they come out with a club. So John and I were like, well, let's go see this thing in person. And so we go... We go, to, we go to the Ale, you know, we go get some wings, which is right around the corner from the Galaxy, and uh, crush some wings, crushed a slice, I think, and then, uh, so we go to the Galaxy, and there's this shitty cardboard freaking stanchion, like, think about when you walk into Golf Galaxy, or whatever your favorite golf shop is, and you go in to, like, look at clubs, and there's, like, actual, like, racks that these manufacturers have put together because they know they really want to display these in the right way. We walk in, and yes, it's in the middle of the aisle as you walk in, but it's literally like a cardboard freaking cutout that they were they shipped to it with like six drivers and were like, here, sit these clubs in this. I mean, first impression was what? Awful? I, Just based I, on you, the presentation? You had, you had to point it out to me, like, even like, see, I was like, where's it at? And then you, <laughs> you showed it to me, and I was like, Okay, so we started looking at it, and we started, you know, it still had the plastic on the head, and 
I don't even know. If it, it may have had like some plastic up on the. Sh- it was weird. It, yeah. It. But then we started talking to the, the uh, got one of the workers at at Golf Galaxy and just you know talking to him about it and asking more about it and said, hey, well, is this is do you have a demo? Can we hit it? And there's no demo. And he said he could tape it up. I was like, oh, yeah, you tape it up. But they have to tape it up with the plastic still on the head. So, yeah, they had to leave the plastic around the head and then tape it up on top of that. I mean, you don't think Golf Galaxy could invest, like, just themselves, even though that Wilson wasn't willing to, themselves invest it's, in... It's a $500 to take, golf club. Okay, listen. They could take the club, yeah. make it a demo. Yeah. In worst case, they could sell a thing for $250. Uh, right. $250. And, and maybe sell the other five that are sitting there on that cardboard cutout. I know it's not that big a because deal. Because how many them? did he tell us he's sold so far? Zero. Zero. It's been on there and it's been there for over a week. Two well, weeks. And, and nobody can hit it. But you can't hit it. How, how obsessed do you have to be with the technology? I guess Wilson's whole angle with this was like, well, if you saw our TV show and we proved it to you on the TV show, you're just going to come in and buy the damn thing. And I'm sure there's people that are doing that, and maybe they're ordering them online, and they just bought them because they, they were convinced without even hitting the damn thing, whatever it is. But for somebody who needs to feel the club, needs to listen to the club, like hear the sound, like those are things that are set it up to a ball, see how it sets up to That stuff's all important. And the best they could do was tape it up. Now, this could just be this particular Golf Galaxy store. There's obviously maybe, as to your point, there could be another store that's like, hey, we're going to take one and turn it into a demo, and we'll eat the 500 bucks and sell it for 100 later. Because you know their cost. Well, what if they sell five, like right? three of them? They're already down to like two. Right. I mean, I, I think he did have a point, too. He's like, they may have just made all their money on the TV show, advertising, whatever they ended up getting off of that. My, but how is Wilson not the one actually paying to have that show produced to then get on... Distributed on the golf channel. And then how do you just put a $500 driver out there like you're going to get that mainstream? So the other interesting thing that this guy at Golf Galaxy said, because he was like, he, he was not very optimistic on how many he was going to sell. And he said on from the first driver versus driver that they had, they ended up, uh, you know, stocking a few of these things. He said he, he, they barely sold any and they ended up just clearancing them all out for 89 bucks. So his expectation is that basically by probably by springtime you you'll be able to get that club for like a buck ninety nine. That's that's nuts. Uh, but let's let's go back to the concept that's behind the club. Okay, we can touch on that. So these guys aren't like professional engineers that worked at TaylorMade for twenty uh, years. No, I believe they obviously have some type of engineering background and design background, but they don't, yes, they don't work for Wilson or a club manufacturer. I mean, they were on a show. Hey, man, I and didn't Coming watch, up with ideas. I, I didn't watch the show. I don't know enough it about it. I, I tried to read a little bit about it. All I know is that they aren't like club designers necessarily. I, maybe there's a theory behind it, and they are engineers of some sort, and they're trying to make their way in the club game. Will I... If I get a chance to hit it, I'll give you more honest feedback. But yeah. would I ever even consider person? There's zero op- zero chance. Not going to happen. There's drivers are an interesting club. You know, I mean, they're they're very particular. 
to have you to ever the hit the, uh, did you ever hit the epic or I hit your epic did you like it the ball comes off like a knuckleball man like there's like no spin off that thing it's crazy I know it's kind of it's kind of creepy <laughs> it's kind of creepy I like my high toe you hit the road I like my high toe uh you know drop out of the sky hook and uh, Taylor made so I don't know I just it's got I don't have the twist face apparently. Well, I think every club has a twist face, but that's a that's a story for another day, but um they do sound they do sound different too. These clubs. Yeah. The it rogue comes off especially. like a damn knuckleball though. Man, I that thing rockets and just comes off like a knuckleball. You know, interesting sidebar on that cuz he brought that club up actually. And I don't maybe like my golf spy or one of these freaking club tester you know, websites or whatever would have more information on this. But he was suggesting that actually the way these low spin drivers are and low spin shafts are impacting um, ball roll now, that uh, slower swing speed type players, like more senior players or older players that maybe aren't creating the, the swing speed that they need to, they're actually losing distance because they aren't getting carry. So they're, they're kind of designing these things to roll out Further because they have less backspin. They're deciding them for like ninety-eight to one hundred and five swing speeds. But I, I kind of i i was a i wasn't buying what he was selling. I guess is what I'm saying because you know what? There's no way. There's no way that these manufacturers aren't going to try to sell a driver that sixty-year-old uh, John who or sixty-five-year-old Dan who is retired and plays golf every day doesn't feel like he can hit it a few yards further. Sorry. There's, yeah, it, if you, low spin on a driver is just, it's, it, 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 that guy wasn't, that is, it's a good thing, period. I, I think so. I mean, that, back in the day, when, like the persimmon woods, like when they were like really wood. Yeah. I mean, those things put such low spin on the ball. Yeah. And well, that actually. Just it, run out. Yeah, but it, I know that, that's a whole different topic, <laughs> but. Yeah, that it actually mitigated more mistakes too. Your slices and hooks weren't as bad. These, if you got a slower swing speed and you got low spin, I don't. I mean, you're gonna well, be able they, to hit it down the middle. And better. these things are designed to launch it high with low spin. It it's not. A, I I I think this guy's head was a little bit off. Possibly why he didn't think of the idea to just re- take the wrapper off one and turn it into a demo. So clearly, Golf Galaxy in Indianapolis. Maybe not playing with a. I don't. Bag, but yeah, like we're not all hype on the on the Cortez. So let's just we'll yeah. move on from until we can try it. And you know what, yeah. Wilson, if you uh, you want to send us one, yeah, then... you want to send us one, we'll give you a review. We'll put it up in the simulator. We'll record some shit, and uh, happy to give you some feedback on John's from John's simulator here. Or Absolutely, whatever. So anyway, um, moving on. So the uh, the topic of the week is putting, and I, we we thought it was. Um, uh, an appropriate topic for a couple reasons. One, as we talked about, we complained that we don't. There isn't basically golf left to be played here in Indiana, um, so you're kind of limited to the indoors or maybe some slow, shitty greens, right? So, what can you do though? Most, I guess, you know, golfers that are obsessed with the game like us have some type of a green green surface or carpeted surface or something that. We I'm can, curious. We can put on. I'm curious, like what your how what what your approach is to practice in the winter, because I think it's so, actually pretty terrible. Like how what you do, unless you buy some 
you know, $2,000 green to put in your basement. Well, I, where, where I'm kind of going with this is I think that... What you should do, by the way. Um, one day. It's going to happen. Um, I think there's enough products out on the market that are indoor putting greens or mats or whatever it is. Whether those have lines on them or they have, or you go buy a mirror that you know you can set down to look at your alignment, test your alignment, whether you pull strings out or whatever the heck you do to work on your stroke and to work on your setup and do whatever you can. I think there are so many little things you can do to practice within 10 feet or less so that you can start making more putts because here's the deal. Most of us, even when our short games are like on, you're still only chipping it to within like six feet. And most pros are only making 50% of six footers. Well, if you can start to, you know, make some more five footers, six footers, four footers yourself, you're going to get more pars. And what better way to take a few hours in the evening, maybe while you're watching a basketball game or whatever other thing you're into, maybe you got some, something else going on in the background, what better way to work on a part of your game than work on short putts? And to me, that's, uh, that's, that is a, that's a space. I remember um, growing up, and my dad has one of the best short games. He can't. Se- 70% from six feet. It's 70%. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's incredible. Sorry, I had to so look that, that up. Well, that article, that article you shared with me said 50%. So that's amazing. 70%. So um, I remember growing up in my living room. My dad, we replaced the carpet in my living room. And my dad purposely went to the carpet store and rolled golf balls on it to find out, like, if it would roll well at like a decent speed that would be like a decent stint meter type of speed, which I think is hilarious that he put that much effort in choosing his carpet based off of how golf balls would roll on it. And I remember him. That's what he did. Yeah. I remember him chipping back and forth, probably 12 to 14 foot chips, you know, across the probably 10 to 12 foot chips across back and forth uh, in the living room while the TV was on in the background or putting. We had these little like, coffee mugs that had like a hole cut in them and we'd have like putting competitions in the in the family room across the across the living room but you know it's one of those things where you do you start building in repetition and you start working on that kind of stuff especially in that those 30 minutes or an hour where you're doing nothing anyway probably sitting on your ass watching tv watching tv anyway well you can watch a sports game in the background while you while you hit a few putts and that's all I'm kind of suggesting is that like maybe a little bit more, just like anything we do in life, a little bit more. If you do it a little bit more, the more times you do it, the better you become at it. So, and then I think with the technology and the tools they have now, and I call it technology, but these putting mirrors that are like 10 bucks on Amazon or some of these targets that they have that can help you so that you can really zero in on stuff or, you know, line alignment aids and things like shit. They got lasers you can freaking attach to your damn putter heads at this point to try to get your alignment together. There's so many things you can do to, to help your putting. And why wouldn't you do it? Especially this time of year where you can't get outside anyway. I'm not in disagreement. I think it's a great way. <laughs> I'm not. It was like, hey, that's, that's great. It's just... You need to, like you said, you need to figure out a game, something yeah. to get your dad or, you know, if you get a buddy. But just if you're just, if you go and put 15 minutes and you're just like line up six foot putts, eight foot putts, 
Everybody's got that in their basement. I got one in my office, dude. You've got that. Everybody has I've got, it. I've got the putting freaking thing with the return in my office. I, I'm, I hit six-foot putts every day in my office. You do? Fuck yeah, I, dude. I knew you did. <laughs> and I do it. Now, the, here's, the, here's the weird part. Now, I don't... So, I don't, like, bring my putt, my, the putter I usually, you know, play, the putter I play with, I do not have that in my office i've got like all my old putters that i don't putt with in my office i have four putters that i don't putt with in my office yeah four putters other putters. four old putters what I've do got, you have? i have i have an original bullseye like you know like just a little like flangey yeah freaking just straight bullseye freaking uh brass how old is that 20 <sighs> like 20 years old probably <laughs> i think i got it like somewhere around the turn of the century um Believe it or not, I could buy it new at that time. Like it still was a putter that existed that you could buy new. I didn't get it, buy it used. I have a um, a ping. Is it an answer? Answer. Yeah, yeah. I think you do. I have an answer. I have right a here. ping answer. Um, it's right there. Yep. And um, and then I've got uh, what else do I have? Oh, I've got my spider in there. My spider tour or whatever. You stopped hitting that, right? You went back to the... I, yeah, I went back to the Odyssey. So... Um, is this it? Yeah, this might be... Uh, mine's a little different. It's Oh, yours is the answer, too. I've got the answer. You got the original answer? I got the answer. So mine actually has, like, the slit in it where it, like, makes a ping sound even to it. That's yeah. a good putter right there, though. I, I like... I love this putter. And mine does not have an alignment line, of course. Because I don't like alignment lines, um, but and then I got, I, I got onto the, uh, I, I jumped in early on. I don't know if it was really early, but the counterbalance type of putter, which was like the almost like elongated putter with a really long grip. You got to be kidding me! Um, uh, Just John, John, sorry, you guys can't see with this. Like John has a putter that stands up by itself, which it's, is it's the Bridgestone. That is ridiculous. Anyway, I think um, I'm gonna go back to it. Yeah, I think you could. Um, so, and then I've got this, I have this, uh, two, what is it? The fang. It's like a two ball fang odyssey putter. That's a counterbalance like mallet that I, I suck with and I putted with it for like probably three rounds and it's now in my office. So, um, that's not to mention I've got, I've probably got three or four other putters up at the lake. So. Um, at the simulator up there. So I've got a yes putter up there. I've got a, another another Odyssey that's very similar to mine, like the current one that I have. And then um, it's another like Versa. And then, then I have a Zebra up there, a classic Zebra up there as well. And I feel like I've got another one. But I I like eight putters. Yeah, and you know what's funny is I, I don't, I've never, and I, well, I have that, that B... 60 we looked at, that Ping B60 we were looking at at the Galaxy yesterday. I have that still. That was like the very first putter I ever owned. My, da- my dad plays left-handed, but he putted right-handed for a minute, which was weird. Played left-handed, but putted right-handed. Probably why I tinker with putters and putting myself. So I, he basically gave it to me because he didn't really use it much. So Anyway. Well, I think putting well, it, can be huge, and get yourself a putting freaking mat, strip, well, whatever, at a minimum. Well, you know, I, 
I uh, would. I've had putting woes over the past couple of years. No, especially especially when I moved from Missouri to Indiana. Um, but you know, I think there's some. So I started doing some research online, and I said uh, I send an article over to Mark. And there's a physicist from, I think it was the University of Sydney in Australia, and he had the perfect explanation of why putting is not consistent. It's because of the dimples on the ball. <laughs> I will link this up in all of our social media to this article because just so you can all laugh at it as much as I did when I read the dang thing. If if you if you really if you read it and what he says and then you see his experiments he did, it makes a little bit of sense. I mean, look, take like a good ball strike take a good ball striker over the years. They always stay pretty much a good ball striker, like a PGA tour player. You see these guys like look at Jordan Spieth. Look what happened with his putting. I mean, he was, he was out of this world. Fantastic Cause putter. Because dimple, the dimples changed on his ball. The dimples. It's all about the dimples. <laughs> oh, okay, the whole philosophy behind this article is like, okay, the dimples are made for the ball goes further. It, it rises in the air because of the spin. Right. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, it cuts through the wind, whatever, aerodynamics. But, but when you putt, it has nothing to do with aerodynamics. It's just going no. over a and surface. It, it, and, and he did a bunch of experiments. I read it where it could be as much as, as much as, not always, but as much as could throw off the direction of a golf ball by a degree. By a degree. One degree. One. Which isn't that much. One degree. That's not now, much. Now, where he did the math was, and this was, hey, he's a physicist, he did the math. From six feet, one degree, not, not a big deal. 10 feet, obviously that becomes more of a big deal. 20 feet, it becomes more of a big deal. But we all know that, that it's not as easy to make 10-footers and 20-footers and whatever else. And here's where I say the article's garbage. Because he said, he suggested, this is where I'm like, this guy clearly doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. He suggested that maybe, you know, you're able to pick a different club for any given shot. So maybe for any given shot, you should be allowed to choose whatever ball you would like to. And putting could be different if you actually had a, bu- a specific ball that you putt with that was like a smooth ball. Why, to me, why would it be so different? Because before, in the, like, until like the 30s and 40s, you couldn't mark your ball and pick it up and clean it on right. the green. Right. So now you can do that and clean it. Yeah. Change, you know, why do they let you do that? So then he went on to suggest that, okay, you could do that, but because you would be more accurate with putting, that they may need to shrink the hole. And so that right there just shrink said the whole to thing. me. Shrink the whole thing. I don't like That said to me, that do, that's where it doesn't make sense. The reason the hole is the size that it is is because it knows that there's a margin of error, whether that be because of the, con, the imperfections in a green or because of, yes, imperfections in a ball or the degree of error with hitting but a ball. Hold on, hold on. Let's back up. Do you know why? Have you done the research of why they made it the size of the hole it is now? Because I don't know. Do you know? Apparently, somebody's going to tell us potentially or we're going to research the Do shit. Do you know it? Way. No, I have no idea. Okay. Then, then you don't know if his no, philosophy is wrong or right. Here's, my, here's, here's what it comes down to. Um, if you look at 
the best players in the world right now. They are talking about how they hit it so far that they need to roll the ball back. So these guys are scoring such low scores, which means they make a lot of putts inside 10 feet. I realize that they're hitting more wedges because they're hitting it so far, meaning they have shorter putts and they're making, they're making putts. My point it's not is, that big of a difference. My point is, regardless of this margin of error that the dimples offer, on the, offer to the ball, that rolling the ball back is not going to change the fact that these guys can freaking putt, and they're working on their putting. To my point, they work on our putting. They work on their putting. Everybody is going to expect that next year maybe they'll have a better year. But I can tell you all day long that the pros work on their putting more than any amateur golfer works on their on the putting. Next, on the next podcast where I'm going to do the research of the variances of from year over year for like, let's do the past five years, of ball striking versus putting and who's in the top 15 or top 10, top 20, mm-hmm. and how it stands. Like, you look at Jason Day. Like, two years, he was number one in putting. Yeah. And yeah. then, where did he go? I mean, it just, how does that just drop off? It's just, it's odd. It's, it's really, it's just... It, it, the, it's, statistics, it's like, the statistic is a little bit odd. And it is actually. Odd. I mean... It's like, it's such, it's such a different part well, of the game. It's so much different than ball striking. What do they do? They factor in like strokes gained through putting. Are they factoring in whether or not he's hitting a whole bunch of greens from far away now, and so he's just having to two putt more often? Uh, oh well, there's you know all. I mean, there's like there's every, so many but variables. There, but there's every statistic. There's so out many there. variables out. I mean, there we just want to just like compare. Hey, let's take let's look at ten foot putts versus you know. Uh, greens hit percentage wise, so it, usually guys that hit a lot of greens, I mean they do it for their whole career. I mean that, yeah. they really do. Well, they're ball strikers, man. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Tom Watson was one of the best ball strikers. Hit a whole lot of greens, didn't make a whole lot of putts. But when yeah. he what? But when he was putting well, he probably would have liked a smooth yeah. ball. Here's here's what I'm going to tell you right now, and this is hey, so and this is like a little plug for for the one shirt that I think is worth buying at our store. It's about speed. And I will tell you that when, the, when these guys are putting their best, they have their speed down exactly, where they're hitting it the 18 inches past speed on a very consistent basis. And that's why course to course, week to week, why even a guy might have had a great week, and it's not necessarily ball striking, but he was making everything. That's exactly what he's Jason dialed Day in said. on the speed. That's exactly what Jason did. But the guys verbatim. that can compete week after week after week, they are they've they've really worked on and or they've figured out. Hey, this is the speed I need to hit these things, and they've got that dialed in. Jason, and I know when I have guys say that. I know when I have my best weeks when putting is when the speed. I'm like you're, you're not even thinking about the speed. You're just like. Yep, I know the speed, and you're more focused on the line and getting it online that you want to because you got the speed dialed in. Putting, that's the best. It's a speed putt, it's man. A, it's a speed putt, and it, putting. If you're if your putting is on, and you have remotely, if you have, if you if have, you have speed re- on, if you if you have remotely okay ball striking going on that day, you're gonna have a good day. Yeah, I do it all the time. I, I don't know why, but it's a speed putt. <laughs> So, hey, by the way, get your speed putt shirts. They come in multiple colors. They're on uh, faded.golf. Great shirts. So, 
not faded.golf.com. It's just faded.golf. So go to the website, get yourself a $25 It's a Speed Putt shirt. All your friends will have no idea what the fuck it means. So um, anyway, good good chat on the putting. I think everybody can work on a little bit of putting. I, I'm, I've been researching. This is like my Christmas present to myself. I've been researching cool like big ass putting greens for my basement that I can like roll out and it'll be right there by the super checks hockey. So we will have contests. Yes, we will. Probably a live podcast. That'll be good. That'll be good. All right. Moving on to our final, of course, this is the fun part of a show. I I enjoy this part of the show. Give me, give me that bottle, John, because I want to, I want to jack up the name just like I did the French wine. Michael and I were drinking. Um, So this is the, Lagavulin. Lagavulin. 16 year. Isle single malt scotch. 16 year. It's good stuff there. 16 years. Um, I got that in France. You got this in France? I mean, I buy it. I mean, you can buy it here, of course, but I got it for a great deal in, in France when we were at the coming home from the Ryder Cup. Oh, okay. So you bought it through the... Uh, yeah, the, no, uh, no duty tax. The duty free. I think I got that for like forty five euros here. It's like at uh, at uh, Big Red. It's probably like a hundred and ten. Wow. Okay. So yeah, you did get a good deal. Like that wine I bought too. It was like fifty bucks here. If you were to find it in a store, and I think I got it for like twenty euros. Oh, this this like is this is a so, so this is a great scotch. Good discount. Um, we've been drinking it during the show. If you've probably been hearing our glasses, like clinking with ice and stuff like that um i'm I, i'll be the first one to say that like i'm not a huge scotch drinker my i brought up my dad like multiple times now my, my dad definitely a scotch drinker um he prefers i mean he's just been a johnny walker guy forever which black. i think is like a standard yeah black, black. i mean shit he drank red for a long time too but like i think he drinks a lot of just johnny walker at this point he um uh, there's a few others that he's a fan of so i don't know a whole lot about this stuff um, so I, I, have to, I have to go off your opinion other than, I mean, I guess I've started to appreciate it. That's it's, all I can tell you. It's, it is the highest quality scotch. I mean, it is great for, for a, um, it's smooth for, and for, I will tell you, there isn't like, like some crazy, um, you know, we're like overpowering, the, uh, peatiness or overpowering smokiness. It's like a good, I'm, I'm not gonna say i'm some scotch expert but i know because i know a little bit about scotch and where like the distillers at this is from the isle of Islay, and there's like six or seven distilleries there or something maybe it's five i don't know for sure i know it's limited but they all the ones that i've tried from there and you actually have one in your house i think it's oh, like the laforig Ab, Ab, aber which one is I've it i've got the laforig that might be one but it's they're all peaty yeah they're all smoky. It's because I think they have an abundance of peat like close by to that little island off of Scotland. Okay. And they're all quality. Okay. This is the best one. This is one that I like the most. This is uh, this is this is one tasty scotch. Um, so to where we've gone with these now, um, who would you gift this to, John? I mean, would this like you could almost gift this to anybody, right? Like that that might appreciate it. That anybody that appreciates like a, a good whiskey, mm-hmm. um, or if they have any any preference on scotch, if they say, "Hey, I don't like peaty or smoky scotch." I probably wouldn't give it to them. But 
anybody that appreciates any type of brown liquor, like that's good. Yeah. This is very good. Yeah, 100% would get I, this. I would even suggest that like, if you were going to introduce somebody to scotch, this could be a really wow. good option for you. Really? And I know it's, it's on the expensive end, but I, I kind of say this in the same tone of um, like how you introduce people to red wine. Like you don't introduce people to red wine with like the giant bottle of like Gallo Shit. or like a box of Franzier or something like that, right? Like what's the one from Australia, the, yeah. the yellowtail, right? You don't, you don't be like get the yellowtail Merlot. It. You'll ruin them. You don't get the yellowtail Merlot. Like Chardonnay yellowtail, fine. You're not like they're going to be like, ah, I don't really enjoy this, but whatever. But like you don't introduce somebody to red wine Merlot with – Yellowtail Merlot or big giant bottle of really anything, right? Or box of anything. You want to introduce them with something that is a little bit higher end. So they go, oh, wow. Now I can distinguish because you gave them like what top would be. Like you give them a Camus Cabernet or something. And they go, okay, so if the bar is here, like I can at least recognize everything that I like less. (laughs) And I think that's where with a scotch to me, like because it is kind of an acquired taste, it's something that's unique. You might as well set the bar high if you're going to introduce scotch to somebody. I, I and I like. I mean, I've tried several scotches, and I like several other types that are not like peaty or smoky. Like there's like a Glen Morangi mm-hmm. nectar that's I think sure. it's an 18 year age that super smooth doesn't taste smoky. I mean, so but that's where I would put on the level of. Okay, and that's where you'd want to go. But if you start drinking this, you're probably not going to want to drink Jameson. Or, I mean, that's Irish whiskey, but, or a blended scotch. I just, I think once you well, drink this. I think you do, but like, I think this can at least get you experimenting with, okay, now what can I get at a better value that has a similar flavor or something like that? You know that. what? I, you know, you're, you say like, like Johnny Walker's peaty. It's not smoky, but you, you drink a Johnny Walker black. It's, it's, it's decent. Yeah. So I don't know any different. I mean, I probably had it a long time ago, but I, I can't tell I'd you say Johnny Walker black's like a Jack Daniels of scotch. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff, but like Johnny Walker Blue, that is fantastic. I'll take your word for it. It's blended though. I know it's all blended trap. <clears throat> all right, well, we, hey, this is like one of the longest shows we've done, but I think we we probably dove a little bit too long into Wilson Golf, and we dove a little bit too long into the match, which we didn't intend on doing. But uh, um, hope you all enjoyed it. For Mr. Falkenberg and myself, go out there, hit more greens, you'll score better. See ya. Thanks. Faded.